0: so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Happy July! It's the peak of the summer and it is very warm over here in the UK this week, but we are covering something really great for gardening weather, and it's a widely known monster from European mythology, and that of course is the gnome. I've actually been really excited to cover this one, as it's really prevalent throughout my life in England and it's also just a widely accepted and loved myth monster across the continent. So the gnome is described as a garden humanoid spirit from European mythology. They are usually around 15 to 30 centimetres in height and weigh around 300 grams which makes them really tiny if you aren't into calculating that. It's less than a normal bag of sugar so very very small. They are usually depicted as white and fair, they are usually either white, grey, blonde or red-haired, with rosy cheeks and a sunny disposition towards humans. They can either be male or female, with the male versions usually wearing a pointed red cap, trousers, clogs or boots, and a waistcoat alongside a very long beard. They would also usually wear a tool belt with hammers, chisels or knives for their crafts, and the females would wear a blouse and skirt with heeled shoes, but before they're married they would wear their hair in long plaits under a green hat, but after that they would wear their hair in a bun under a beige or brown hat to symbolise their marriage. They do have a bunch of abilities, such as they are able to be seven times as strong as man, and they can run especially fast, which, I'm not joking, up to 35 miles an hour. This is due to the fact that they have pigeon toed feet, which allows them to run super fast, but they are also supernatural, magic y creatures. They do have an affinity for animals too, and will go out of their way to help injured animals in their habitats, and that usually gives the animals an excuse to help the gnomes back with tasks if requested. They are also said to be excellent gem crafters and alchemists. However, that kind of nicely leads us on to the different types of gnomes, which I'll talk about now. According to folklore, there are many different types of gnomes who have different skill sets depending on where they live or what specific race of gnome they are. Some examples of this are forest gnomes, who are the most inconspicuous to humans and have a huge link to forest animals, garden gnomes, which we all know and love, june gnomes who live in the drier regions of europe and create mirages in the deserts house gnomes who tend to cause mischief in the house and they even speak human languages farm gnomes who assist in farm duties as well as with animal care and lastly siberian gnomes who work mostly in the icy caves of europe and have a really good relationship with trolls and that's going to be important later on so do remember that all of these types have differing skills depending on what type of gnome they are, such as technomancy, alchemy, illusion, crafting or potion making are the most common skills that they'll have. Gnomes are also said to be almost immortal with exceptionally long lives, as they spend most of their lives avoiding danger underground or in their tree homes. Although they are known for these skills and types, they generally keep away from humans, and the interactions that are noted throughout history are that of gnomes being mischievous but more than that they're also a little bit annoying especially to farmers and hunters as they're known to release caught animals from traps or free farm animals however they are also known to give veterinary care to animals who need it on farms if the farmer is either abusive or too poor to be able to afford a vet they're also known to be vegetarians surviving on the fruits of nature's labor such as fruits nuts vegetables and berries from their environment. But they're also very fond of mead, which for them is fermented honey, raspberries or juniper. We mostly use fermented honey for mead. So they would absolutely get plastered off of this as well. So they are known for being mischievous and slightly drunken too. Now I did kind of mention their homes. They would usually either live in carved out mushrooms or things like that. Or they would have trees which they would carve out internally too small for humans to see but most of the time they were known for living under the earth in tunnels they were very very proficient tunnellers diggers so they usually would have this kind of ant nest type burrow that they would live in in communities much like ours however that kind of leads me on to what are the enemies and the dangers posed to gnomes well they're said to be the sworn enemies of the trolls of europe who seek out gnomes to eat, and they will destroy any type of gnome home that they come across, including the ones in the trees. They'll take down the whole tree to get rid of them. They're also very much not fond of cats, and that can be either wild or domesticated cats, as they tend to think of them as food, funnily enough. (laughs) So generally they stay away from humans because we have those type of animals around us, but also... We're just so big to them that it makes sense that they would want to stay away. But other than that, we have quite a nice relationship with them by all accounts. Now, on to etymology, which is actually quite interesting this week, alongside the history of this monster too. The word gnome comes from the Greek word genomos, which literally means earth dweller, and comes from the same word in Latin, so we do kind of have a double etymology here. But this word came from Renaissance Latin, Which was between the 14th and 15th centuries and originally appeared in a book of nymphs, sylphs, pygmies, and salamanders, and on other spirits by Paracelphus, who was very much an amazing poet of the time, and that was in 1566, which, as you can imagine, is about the origins of all of these different types of monsters. He was actually Swiss German, so we can kind of attribute the origins of this monster to these regions. However, it was believed that they mostly lived in Scandinavia, so even though they were written in Switzerland and Germany, they were very much based towards the Scandinavian types, so that's why I've said they're European rather than a specific region of Europe. Really fun, but he actually classified them as the Earth elementals in the original monster lineup, symbolising each one of the elements of the Earth. Gnomes being literally the Earth, salamanders for fire, undine for water, and sylph for air. So they're very much related to the earth, to the ground, within any type of folklore. After this, though, they weren't mentioned in literature till the 18th century, when they were mentioned in The Rape of the Lock by Alexander Pope, who was a very famous English poet back in the day. But this really wasn't enough to pull the gnomes out of their 14th century origin. There's a really great quote from Pope's apparent source, which was a French satire called Comte de Gabelli, from 1670, by Nicolas-Pierre Henry de Montfalcon de Villars. Sorry, that was one hell of a name, I literally had to pause, that was so intense. But the quote goes, "...the earth is filled almost to the centre with gnomes or farriers, a people of small stature, the guardians of treasures, of mines and of precious stones." They are ingenious friends of men and easy to be commanded. They furnish the children of the sages with as much money as they need of and never ask any other reward of their services other than the glory of being commanded. The nomides or wives of these gnomes or farriers are little but very handsome and their habitat marvellously curious. As charming as this description is, There was a complete resurgence of this monster later on in the 19th century within fairy tales, when they were used alongside other little monsters, such as dwarves, brownies, leprechauns and goblins, in Danish, French and German folklore, such as in the Grimm's brothers' tales or Hans Christian Andersen's works. They became a household spirit during this time, which kind of led them to losing their link to the earth spirits back from the 14th century description, but at least they still have this in the sense that they are used as garden gnomes, very much linked to the earth and the nature and gardens and all that stuff. Anyway, they are known throughout all of Europe and have different names throughout the continent, such as Erdmann-Lenz in Germany, Nom in Polish, Düdzje in Bulgarian and Albanian, Kabuta in Dutch, Strygtec in Belgian, Mano in Hungarian, and Kleinemanniken in Swiss, Nisse in Danish, Tonti in Finnish, and Norwegian, and Nisse in Swedish. You might not know as well that actually there's another name for gnomes in English, and that's Nains. It's very old English, so it makes sense if you don't know it, but it's a fun pub quiz fact if you're ever asked. But we do kind of have to ask why it's acceptable to put them in your garden. This is because the Romans used to put small statues of their fertility god Priapus in their gardens for good fortune. And in the 1880s, German artist Philip Griebel created garden gnomes as a sign of good luck for gardens, as they always symbolise guarding treasure and protection from thieves. And actually, the family of Philip Griebel are still creating garden gnomes to this day in Germany. You can go to their shop and get a garden gnome. I know that that's what I'm going to do next time I go over there and get a hand-painted one. That would be so cool. But there's a really great explanation in the Hunker magazine, which I can't resist quoting from, and that's from Clive Harris from DIY Garden. Thought to be underground treasure guardians, and therefore guardians of plant root health, gnomes were respected with offers of food or clothing, which were left out overnight to appease or thank them. If you've ever played The Sims, you will probably know of this tradition during the Harvest Fest You very much go out and leave food and stuff for them and you can appease or upset them this way. But there's also another quote here from Thomas O'Rourke from Horticulture Magazine. Historically, gnomes have always been thought as good luck. In more spiritual times, they were thought to protect your home, property, lively stock or crops, watching over them to prevent thieves and pests from wreaking havoc. In recent times, I feel that they are mostly used in gardens for playfulness and light-hearted humour, with novelty gnomes proving very popular in modern spaces. These two quotes can definitely explain the phenomenon of garden gnomes better than I can, but there was an actual craze in the 1980s where you would steal a garden gnome, take it on an adventure, take loads of photos of it, and then give it back with the photos to the original owner to kind of imply the gnome had been on an adventure. It's called Gnoming. I would really love to do this. And although England is the most popular gnome location for gardens, I don't know anyone who has a single one for me to steal, unfortunately, which is really sad. I do know, though, that my nan used to have garden gnomes and they were all in quite precarious outfits and positions. If you've ever seen Gnomeo and Juliet, the film, which I'll talk about later, A lot of their outfits are particularly scandalous and some of their poses are a little bit naughty so they are very much playful and such a fun ornament to have in your garden nowadays now onto modern media there are quite a few this week based on the history behind this monster so i really hope you're ready for this one for art we have some really lovely paintings this week such as nom mit seitung und tabak by Heinrich Schlitt from 1923 and Gnome Watching Railway Train by Carl Spitzvig from 1848. Both really lovely German romantic renaissance period pieces, so give these a look if you're interested, they are gorgeous. In movies, we actually have quite a few, such as Amelie, Gnome Alone, Rip Van Winkle, Sherlock Gnomes, The Mobile, Harry Potter, The Sunshine Makers, A Gnome Called Norm, Boy Meets Dog, Bokken Kookaburru, Pinkle Diet and To Spring. However, my favourite here, as I mentioned, is the gnome animated adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, wonderfully named Gnomeo and Juliet, which has an amazing British voice cast, including music all done by Elton John. It's a really great movie for kids, especially to introduce them into Shakespeare, with really silly gnomes in provocative positions. I really recommend this film. But for TV, we have Charmed, Legends of Tomorrow, Kabuta Plop, Merlin, Once Upon a Time, Power Rangers, Seriously Weird, The Shannara Chronicles, Special Unit 2, The Crumpets, Dragon Tales, Frank Helder's Book of Spells, Gravity Falls, Freakazoid, Kim Possible, Jimmy Two Shoes, Bald Money, (laughs) Sneezelwalt, Dodger, and Cloudberry, The NeverEnding Story Series, Phineas and Ferb, Pop Pixie, South Park, Trollhunters and the world of David the Gnome. In video games we have loads such as World of Warcraft, they're a main race within the Alliance so really big in that, Kingdom of Loathing, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning, Guild Wars, Dwarf Fortress, Dragon Fable, City of Heroes, Garden Gnome Carnage, Gaia Online, Everquest, Fable 3, Arcanum, League of Legends, Harry Potter, Lego Harry Potter, Nelson Tether's Puzzle Agent, Overlord, Larry and the Gnomes, King's Quest 6, Neverwinter Nights 2, Majesty, Oxygen Not Included, Runescape, Terraria, The Sims, World of Manor, Tales series, Plants vs. Zombies, Pilot Kids, and Pillars of Eternity. My book recommendation this week is Mermaid, Sylphs, Gnomes and Salamanders: Dialogues with the Kings and Queens of Nature by William R. Mistel. This is actually an adaptation of the original book that I talked about earlier and illustrated tales of dwarves, gnomes and fairy folk by Aneka Vashurun and Daniela Drescher. These two are definitely more fact books but there are loads of really cute fun books about gnomes and kids books with stories about them too. There are a lot of like cute kids books that have gnomes based on them and it's very, very cute. Now it's time for Do I Be? they existed. Now I'm gonna say no for this one unfortunately because it's just so weird that I can't see it being a real monster. However because of its prevalence in European folklore and so much so that it's socially normal to have a statue of this monster in silly poses in your garden I do see why people believe in them. I love the idea of them being in different parts of Europe though, having their own little cultures, nationalities, like people... And honestly, I love the idea of nice monsters that are just minding their own business. They don't get eaten or involved in human stuff. They don't try and eat us. It's a really nice change from monsters we usually cover, as they're not really a monster in the best sense of the word. Just a mythical being, really. I did go and ask around about the existence of gnomes from different nationalities I know around Europe, and it seems like a mixed bag definitely more believed alongside elves in Scandinavia, but for people such as my German friends, they were very much like, nah man, that's crazy. But we do totally believe in a crazy Christmas demon, that's fine. But what do you think? Did gnomes roam the gardens and forests of Europe? Let me know on Twitter, I would love to know what you think. I love a cute summery monster this time of year, although it's very loose term using monster for gnomes, either way, it's very nice to know the history and the folklore behind something that most of us in Europe acknowledge as a garden ornament, so it was really fun to cover. But next week, we're not really heading anywhere specifically, but we're looking at a monster from religious folklore, the Seraph, or really the real angels that we all imagine for Christianity, Judaism and Islam. Make sure you're on your best behaviour next Thursday to avoid the judgement of these beings. For now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can always be found at mythmonsters.co.uk, and you can find us on GoodPods and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. But come join the fun, Share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky, and I'll see you later babes.